This is a global tail link prepaid call from. What do I do? I say my name? An inmate at a Maryland correctional facility. From a dining room table in a New York apartment, it's Let's Find Waldo with Mark Dowling. My name is Mark Dowling, and this is Let's Find Waldo with Mark Dowling. In September of 1987, a man known as Waldo went missing 13 times. His journey was chronicled in a book by English illustrator Martin Hanford. For the last few months, I've occasionally sat down with this book to try and locate the whereabouts of Waldo. Or if you'd like to get more technical, which apparently I do, I've exploited his disappearances for comedic content. The circumstances surrounding these disappearances were foggy at best. Waldo did this sort of thing. Sometimes he'd be in one location, and then all of a sudden he'd be in another. Most people write him off as a cartoon character in a children's book without any sort of narrative, but something just didn't add up. Everything has a narrative, and if it doesn't, you can make your own. Before I get into why I'm doing this, or you begin to question my ethics and accuse me of being biased, I'd like to point out something that I've noticed during this process. When something you're looking for is surrounded by other things, it makes it marginally more difficult to find. Think about the last time you went to the supermarket. How long did it take you to find your favorite jar of peanut butter or the right flavored seltzer? When you came out of the store, did you walk up to the wrong Hyundai? When you wanted to listen to a specific song on your smartphone, how many times did you scroll past it even though it was right under your nose? Our observational skills are put to the test every day, and it's amazing how often our eyes deceive us. Have you ever waved to somebody you thought you knew, then it turned out it was a complete stranger? Have you ever stumbled into the wrong funeral home, or accidentally married a bride and when you lifted her veil, it wasn't who you thought it was going to be? I decided to speak to some people in the world to put my theory to the test. Sir, are you able to spot the difference between these two pictures of sailboats? Who are you? What are you doing? Oh, my name is Mark. It's for a podcast. I'm not interested in any podcast. Are you going to buy something or not? No, I don't want anything. Then get out of my bakery. If you could just look at the boats. Get out. Ow. This man would not cooperate. He was impatient and slightly antagonistic. Maybe he was just busy at work. Or maybe he was hiding something. I thought I'd try talking to somebody else. Excuse me. Sorry, just trying to get through. Excuse me. Is this seat taken? Yeah, go for it. Thank you. Yeah, really. Hey, if I showed you two pictures of a I'm trying to watch the movie. Okay. Why are you still thinking about running? It's just, it's an experiment if for a podcast. If you don't be quiet, I'm going to call the usher. Don't call the usher. I'm going to. Don't. I'm going to. weren't even supposed to know existed. Must be jarring. It's not your Who is fault. that guy? Ah, sure. Okay. I'm... I saw the whole thing, sir. Come with me. No. You get your hands off. You don't. T- you're not allowed to get off of me. Ow! I didn't have much luck with that guy either. Part of me couldn't help but wonder if it was some sort of conspiracy. Were those two men colluding together? The moviegoer and the baker? They both seemed to dodge questions. And I got a bruise on my arm both times. I went out to the street where I knew somebody would talk to me. Get out of the road, dumbass! 
I didn't get the information I was looking for. The point I was going to make regardless of what anyone said is that we often go through our days not noticing anything around us. Humans are self-centered and unwilling to cooperate with podcasters. While interviewing isn't my strong suit, and I'll admit that, I assure you this show will be gripping and engaging. At least the first season will. And coming up later on, there will be a shocking discovery not even I saw coming. Let's Find Waldo will be right back. Welcome back, those of you who have been listening this whole time, and welcome to those of you who skipped the intro. We are referencing the Where's Waldo 30th Anniversary Edition book, ISBN number 978-0-7636-9579-8. Today, Waldo is on the ski slopes, and he's left us a little message, as he always does. Yodel Lee, Waldo's gang! I walked across the ski slopes today and saw some incredible sights. There was a skier offering flowers to his girlfriend, another with an anchor over his shoulder, and one all rolled up in a giant snowball. Wow! Unbelievable! Thanks so much for that message, Waldo. It sounds like you had a great day. I want to point out that this is exclusively a ski slope. I don't see any snowboards anywhere. Maybe snowboarding is outlawed in this town. Or maybe there's another side of the mountain that only allows snowboarders. I just hope that they're having their fun in the snow. Snowboarding is actually a little more cooler, in my mind. Extreme, even. They have their own games. The X Games. The word extreme is too long, so they shorten it to the letter X. Pretty cool. Skiers don't have their own games. Well, Olympics, I guess, but big whoop. We're going to start on the lower left corner of the left page where there's a cabin that has a human-shaped hole in it and track marks in the snow leading up to that cabin. So I'm thinking that somebody went down the mountain way too fast, crashed through not one but two sides of that cabin, and the hole was in the shape of like his arms are up, like the Y in the YMCA dance. There's a man sitting on top of the cabin. He's reading a newspaper and drinking out of a yellow mug. I would go so far as to guess that there is hot chocolate in that mug, a classic beverage for the mountain. A little further up, there's a man trapped in a giant snowball, and he's rolling down the hill at a high speed. A couple of skiers are trying to get away. They're in front of it, sort of like an Indiana Jones situation. And off to the side, there's a big cluster of skiers who seem to have gotten out of the way of that giant snowball, but they're all falling over each other. It's a mishmash of poles and skis and everything in between. One woman is dead. She's, (laughs) her skis are stuck in the snow. She's on her belly and her tongue is sticking out. Her hat and her goggles have fallen off. Her poles are over to the side. We hope medics are somewhere on their snowmobiles and they're going to come do something about this. A little further up the mountain, there's a group of people, adults and children, and they appear to be in the pre-production stage of building a snowman. That's Hollywood talk. On the lower right, towards the middle of the page, there's a ski school in session, and there are a lot of silly billies in this class. One guy is facing the wrong direction. Everybody else is looking at the ski instructor. He's trying to tell them what to do. This guy is facing the opposite direction. One guy has his ski poles upside down, 
and his hat is pulled down over his face. He can't see. Next to him is a guy who is standing on his ski poles and holding his skis in his hands. Now, I don't know if this is supposed to be some kind of joke, which I have no patience for, but if it's a genuine misunderstanding, like this guy didn't know where he was supposed to put the skis and where he was supposed to put the poles, I find it very amusing. At the top of the page, a hawk has swept down and lifted a man up in the air by his shoulders and is now flying away to who knows where, maybe back to his hawk nest to show his hawk friends what he caught. And there are two people on the ground pointing up into the sky, as you would. So it's probably their friend. What do you do after that, after your friend is taken away? You just go back to the lodge? Chalk it up to a bird attack? Well, we it was in the brochure. <laughs> this is Hawk Mountain. We knew it was going to happen to one of us. Statistically, one in three are taken by a hawk at this mountain. Well, I'm glad it wasn't you. Well, I'm glad it wasn't you. That's how that conversation goes. I know because I'm the omniscient narrator. I know everything that these characters are thinking. I know what they had for breakfast. I know what they're going to have for dinner. I know which ones of them are going to have trouble conceiving, which ones are going to invent a cure for the case of the Mondays. I'm a god in this world. I'm a god in this world. I'm a god in this world. As we move towards the middle of the page, there are two ski lifts going in opposite directions. The one on the left is more bare bones. It's just chairs. You're more likely to fall out of those if you lean too far forward. The ski lift on the right are these high-tech, single-person, phone-booth-looking things that have a slot on the side for you to put your skis in. So a far more luxurious way to travel to the top of the mountain. But on either side, there are people hiking up, holding their skis in their arms. So it doesn't seem to be that steep anyway. In between those two trails, off in the distance, there's a yodeler standing on top of another peak, and he's blowing into one of those long horns and causing what looks to be an impending avalanche. Luckily, that's on a separate mountain, so I don't think that avalanche will affect any of the people we see here in the foreground. Speaking of separate mountains, in the top right corner of the right page, there's a group of hikers who are standing around a cave, and popping out of that cave is a growling yeti, or abominable snowman, or missing link, Bigfoot, whatever you call him, he's there. You know it when you see it. And these hikers are running in fear. So I can't help but think maybe they were instigating this. Maybe they were poking their heads into the cave, shouting obscenities and making fun of this Yeti. Some of my ice in my iced coffee just shifted on its own. I thought that was him. I thought that was the Yeti. I thought maybe I said his name too many times and he appeared. I don't know if that's part of his folklore, but it is now. Add that to your Wikipedia and smoke it. Put that in your pipe and Wikipedia it. We're workshopping here. Uh, stick that in your brain and learn it. <laughs> we got one. That's going on a poster. It's going to outsell the hang in there kitty. It's going to outsell the picture of a glacier. It'll probably do just as well as the food pyramid, I think. Which I'm happy with that. You don't always have to win to be happy. Okay, back to the book. 
We've got a bobsled race going on, and there are three teams in this race. The red team, the yellow team, and the green team. The green team is in first place, but their bobsled has come out from underneath them. They're still in formation, only slightly behind. They're on their bums, and I think that might be a disqualification. I'm not positive, but I think that's the case. Yellow is in second place, and red is in third place. They haven't even reached their bobsled yet. They're still walking up the mountain, and their coach is pointing to the bobsled like, you got to get on. You guys got to go. We got a lot riding on this. You worked too hard for too long to lose this race. I'm going to put my money on red because I like an underdog. We've got a couple people watching the race, and they don't seem impressed at all. One has her arms folded. Another's got one hand in his pocket, and the other one is disapproving. And below them is just utter mayhem. There are a lot of collisions going on here. There's a boat coming down the mountain with a skier behind it. Boats belong in water, not on snow. There's a guy plowing into a bunch of people because he's coming down the mountain covering his eyes. Irresponsible. There's a guy who ended up in the top of a tree. Three men have run into trees. Classic tree run into with their arms out, legs out, and just their torso. One guy has actually bent a tree. And he's not a large man, so he might be unbreakable. This guy might have superhuman powers and might be the inspiration for M. Night Shyamalan. At the bottom of the page, there's a small ice rink, and center rink are two figure skaters, a man and a woman, and the man is spinning the woman by her ankles, and they are both having the time of their life. There's another man and a woman off to the side who are trying to do the same thing, but failed miserably because her skates came off in his hands and she went flying into a group of people knocking them over. Don't try what you see other people do good at. The people in the middle are probably professionals. I know they're in civilian clothing. They're not in their normal figure skating flashy outfits, but their confidence is through the roof. These people know what they're doing. To the left there is a man who has cut a hole in the rink and he is ice fishing, even though there's a sign right next to him that says no ice fishing. He's even caught something, and guess what he's caught? A no ice fishing sign. Could it be any more clear that you're not supposed to be doing this? Off of the rink there is a snowman on skis holding ski poles. He's got a little hat on. It's unclear whether this is a fabricated snowman or if it is a person who has been covered in snow made to look like a snowman. Either way, I think it's a very cute image, and I'm glad to be looking at it right now. There is a man who is presumably very bad at skiing. He has accumulated a lot of flags, you know, the flags that they use to mark the course, and he has hit every single one of them. To the left, there's a guy who is giving flowers to his girlfriend. We heard Waldo talk about that. And it's a very sweet gesture. She seems very happy to be receiving those flowers, but they're doing it in the middle of the mountain. There's somebody coming right towards them. There's a guy slightly in front of them who's looking back like, what are you doing? I just think that there's a time and a place for love, and this is neither the time nor the place. Save the love for the cabin. That's what I say. It's also the name of the erotic pamphlet that I've written, which you can buy on Etsy. It's written on tree bark and smells like ginger.
I can make it smell like other things if you want. Just write that in the notes section. It's just that ginger is the easiest thing to make it smell like, other than tree bark, obviously. On the lower right, there's a man who has put himself into what I would describe as ski prison. There are six skis sticking out of the snow, and he's behind them, holding on to the middle two like they're bars on a jail cell. So I don't know what he did to put himself into ski prison. It's very easy to escape this prison. This is no Alcatraz, okay? To the right at the corner of the page, there's another cabin, just like there is on the opposite side. A lot of symmetry on this mountain. And people have piled up a bunch of snow to the roof of this cabin, creating a massive ski jump. And one guy is shooting off of the roof. Who knows where he'll end up? There's a guy right behind him waiting to jump. And there's Waldo right there. Well, once again, we found Waldo. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to me. Congratulations to everybody. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. Let's Find Waldo is produced by me, Mark Dowling. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Zach Cherry for playing Waldo this episode. Zach can be seen on The Last OG and heard as a voice on the animated show Duncanville. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheMarkDowling. Please rate and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Until next time, remember that if you are lost, there will always be somebody there to find you. Or something like that.